What's up, Beardos? It's Mr. Hemp. You're listening to episode 161 of the Bearded Vegans podcast. Basically, our whole philosophy boils down to don't be a jerk. Don't really answer the question first. I'm not answering the question. I really hope people Welcome to the show. I'm Paul. And I'm Andy. And we are the Bearded Vegans, a podcast featuring a dissection of all things vegan. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at thebeardvegans.com. And you can reach us by emailing beardvegans at gmail.com. In today's episode, we're going to talk about what we've been eating and then begin our winter break interview series, kicking it off with the one and only Mr. Hip. That's right. Mr. Hip, Paul, I'm really excited that you got this interview because someone that's been a presence in our lives for for quite some time now, and we actually made our recording debut on his new record. Our musical recording debut, that (laughs) is. Our musical, yes. Our musical recording debut. Yeah, no, it was a great, it was a great interview. He's an incredibly interesting person, and, and I mentioned this in the interview, but like, almost mysterious because Andy, I don't know what your experience was, but he always just seems to pop up at these different veg fests where it's like, Oh, I thought you lived in this other state, but he's in this, in this, at this veg fest. It's like, Oh wait, no, now he's in this other state in this veg fest. So just popping up in all these different places, a man that, that truly is doing a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about this album. I'm excited to hear the interview. I haven't even heard it yet, Paul. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So mm-hmm. Paul, let's, mm-hmm. let's let the people know what it is that we're doing right now, because last episode, the mailbag episode, we said that that was going to be our last sort of regularly formatted episode of the year. So as we teased maybe a month or two ago, we're doing an interview series right now. So your your humble hosts here, Paul and I, we, <laughs> we too get burned out. We too need a break. And we, we've been looking for creative ways to find some time to ourselves and to take a, a slight step back from the podcast without leaving everybody hanging. And last year we did our series of retro film reviews. So we just recorded everything like all at once and then released them over the course of five or six weeks. Uh, this year we thought it'd be fun to interview some people that we've been meaning to interview. And that would be a good excuse to push ourselves to do it because uh, it turns out scheduling interviews is not the easiest thing, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's and in, not. in our very last minute world of this podcast, uh, we often don't have too many interviews. So this was like a good reason for us to talk to some people that we admire and talk to some people that we think have a lot of great knowledge that that we cannot personally bring to the table. Yeah. And, you know, we're also going to throw in a few older interviews. And Andy, I think this is important because very frequently, probably more frequently than, than we realize, I feel like we're always referencing past things that have happened in the podcast as if everyone that's listening has listened to the entire catalog and knows like, Oh yeah, that's that, that's that part. So I feel like there are a few interviews that we reference quite a bit and, and I would, you know, I haven't listened to them in a while either. So I feel like it'd be good to just kind of re-listen to some of these interviews that have, in my experience, at least really shaped what a lot of my views are about a lot of the things that we talk about in the show. 
Yeah. So so the next three weeks, those are going to be brand new interviews, and then we're gonna we're gonna dust off some classic interviews for the two weeks after that. That'll bring us into the new year, and then we'll be hitting you with some fresh new content at that point. So I'm excited for this. I think we got some really cool people lined up. Starting, of course, today with Mr. Hip. The coolest, possibly. <laughs> sure, certainly the hippest. Yes, definitely the hippest. So, Andy, but before we get into that, let's talk about some food stuff. Uh, what have you been eating? Well, I think this is probably the last time we'll talk about food for quite a while since we're going to record a bunch of these episodes all at once. But uh, I was making my trip up from Florida. I did my final Veg Fest of the year. I was down in... Cocoa, Florida, for the Space, space Coast. Coast, not the Space <laughs> Ghost Veg Fest. <laughs> and I guess I probably have some beers written down somewhere that I'll have to shout out in a future episode. But uh, on my drive back, I was driving through Savannah, Georgia, and I had been through Savannah last year, and there wasn't too much terribly exciting in the vegan world from what I remember looking at Happy Cow. But I pulled up this place that I think was pretty new called the Fox and Fig Cafe in Savannah. And from the name, I was like, eh, it's probably a bunch of like hummus wraps and whatever. And then I looked at the menu and I went, I need literally everything on this menu. It looks <laughs> so delicious and so good. So with a, with a long drive ahead of me, like 18 hours of drive ahead of me, I was like, oh, I'll get a few meals worth of things and hope this is all pretty good. And I have to say, Paul, this is definitely, I guess it's easily my favorite place to eat in Savannah, Georgia. That's mm. for sure. But it was delicious. I cannot wait to get more. And I was actually pulling up their menu to recall some of the things that I got. And they've already changed some of it. So it seems like they change their items pretty regularly. But the few things that I will highlight was I got this blueberry cobbler milkshake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, it, and they put like cobbler topping it's like whip like the blueberry with the ice cream and all that mixed together actually tasted like fresh blueberries then they put some whipped cream on top of that and then they put like blueberry or they put like cobbler you know like the the crumbly cobbler kind of topping on top of that as well mm -hmm. like a streusel kind of topping incredible <laughs> yeah it was really good and they also had like a white chocolate peanut butter one that had justin's peanut butter cups crumbled on top and all that stuff but went with the blueberry cobbler for health obviously so uh that <laughs> was delicious good for your brain yes exactly <laughs> and then i also got this garlic bread dish and what they did was they put some i think it was maybe like a miyoko's type cheese some like fancy cheese on it and also like a, a garlic aioli on this bread and they gave you this marinara sauce that is possibly the best marinara sauce i've ever had it was it was so i i've learned my lesson and i now know that if i get that again i will order two cups of the marinara sauce because i could just <laughs> drink it i could do shots of that stuff uh, it was so good so good but the star of the meal paul was you know you've heard of biscuits and gravy but have you heard of a croissant and gravy oh i have right? not Right. The, the croissant is uh, elusive in the vegan world often. And mm -hmm. so they take the croissant, they cut in half and they pour their gravy over it. And it's an impossible sausage gravy. Whoa. Yeah. So I assume they take the impossible burger and crumble it up in the, the, the gravy. To me, honestly, it tastes a little bit more like a Beyond Burger gravy. But either way, it was <laughs> it was delicious. It was so good. I can't wait to return to Fox and Fig in Savannah, Georgia. So hearty shout out. I'm really glad to discover them because that's a little section of the country that when I'm driving through, I don't have a lot of go-to spots to stop and get a lot of good food. So it's, you know, a lot of like Taco Bell or something like that if I'm trying <laughs> to eat out. So uh, Fox and Fig, Savannah, Georgia, doing it up. Very Paul. nice. 
Yes, Andy. What went in that beautiful mouth of yours? So I, I, Andy, Andy and myself, when we were young lads, when we were younger, we both frequented local music shows in Wallingford, Connecticut. And specifically, we went to a select few amount of venues that were all kind of clustered in the same area. And not that I was vegan when I was in high school, when I was going to these shows, but I was overjoyed to find, because I just went to one a couple weekends ago, that there's a new vegan place that is right around the corner from from one of the spots that Andy and I spent many, many a weekend night in in, in, in our youth. But it's this new place. It's called Arles and Boggs or Arles and Boggs, A-R-L-E-S. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that. Arles. I'm going to say Arles. Arles I think Arles sounds about right. Arles Stein, the the (laughs) author of Goosebumps. Exactly. (laughs) Arles and Box. Anyways, it just opened up, I think, less than than a month ago. They're still, they're definitely, you know, still figuring out a lot of the menu, adding stuff to the menu. They're also opening like a little cafe type place. It's a really big space and they're, they're kind of sectioning it off and half of it's going to be a cafe that I think was just about to open. And it's, it's has the feel of kind of a fancier place. The, the, the food is a little bit, a little bit more expensive, but, but I got these nachos and Andy, they were, they were quite good. And it was, it was nice because it was, you know, it it wasn't day of cheese nachos or it wasn't like some store brand cheese. It was clearly, they had made all the ingredients there, the cheese and the, and the sour cream and all that jazz. So it was, it was quite good. So Arles and Boggs, if you're in Wallingford, Connecticut ever, <laughs> you know, take a trip, go to Red Scroll Records, and then hit up Arlson Boggs. Yeah, it's probably one block away from Red Scroll Records. That's awesome. Yes, as we called them when we were going to them, local music shows. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what I got, Andy. Yeah, well, okay, Paul. So I actually did – I wanted to talk about one little more thing before we get into this interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, just I want to talk about my experience doing a birthday fundraiser on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I've never done before. I see a lot of people doing it. I've certainly donated to them. And I was doing a little research and I was like, man, what a great racket Facebook has going where they're getting all these people to donate and and friends are probably more likely to donate because of the birthday factor and Facebook's getting a little cut of it and that's a good racket they have going. And I was doing a little research and it turns out that Facebook, at least as far as donations to nonprofits go, if they're like registered nonprofit with Facebook, that the the nonprofit gets 100% of the donations. Like they stop charging fees for the donations. I'm, so I I'm said, sure Facebook isn't isn't hurting for money. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's the thing is that I'm like, well, how is that possible? But really, it's just more about, I think, building this sort of uh, like need into Facebook. I think it's like another way to get a sort of sucked into and hooked on Facebook and reliant upon Facebook, which is something that mm-hmm. I feel like I'm looking forward to our little winter break because that means I'll be able to spend less time on Facebook because right now it's something that I require for my business for promotional purposes. And also for the podcast, it's like, I sort of, you know, we need to know what's going on when we need show mm-hmm. topics. We also have to have some kind of relatively informed opinion about what's going on in the world. And so <laughs> Facebook is sort of this necessity for that in many ways, or it's like the easiest way to get a lot of that information as mm-hmm. opposed to scrolling through a bunch of different news sites and trying to be really on top of it. So, um, so I, so I think that that's sort of their long game with the whole thing is just to sort of be like, you, you want to be on Facebook because you can raise money for things you care about. And, 
And it's this whole cycle that sort of feeds upon itself. But I figured, well, you know, if they're not really taking a big cut or any cut at all, why don't I throw up a, a fundraiser? And I decided to do Chili's on Wheels. And we actually interviewed their founder, M- Michelle Carrera, back in episode 39, I believe. And... <laughs> And I was like, let me, I'll set this goal at 200. And, you know, I always feel wary about asking people for money. You know, that's something we've had to get over when doing even our Patreon plugs on this show. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what, I'll just put it up. I'm not going to like invite, because you can choose to invite people, which is sort of almost directly asking them to contribute. But I was like, I'm just going to put this up because when you see, you know, oh, today has five friends have birthdays and it'll tell you if they have birthday fundraisers going or not. And I was like, yeah. let me just see if anyone will donate to this and maybe I can raise a couple of bucks for Chili's on Wheels. So I set it at a $200 goal and I set it up the night before I my birthday and which was November 21st. Thank you everybody. And <laughs> and I woke up and I had already hit the goal of the 200. Dang. And I was like, that's pretty nice. So then I bumped it up to 300 and I hit that goal. And I just kept, because you can like change the goal and people can donate above and beyond your goal. But I feel like people, uh, I would guess psychology wise, people are less likely to donate to something if they, if you feel like you've already hit your goal. Yeah. So I just kind of kept bumping it up a hundred more dollars every time that happened. And I set it to last for about a week, but the bulk of the donations came in within, you know, the first two or three days. And Paul, at all said and done, I raised uh, $1,005 for Chili's on Wheels. Oh, that's amazing. I think that's pretty cool. And granted, I would imagine I am someone with, you know, more vegan friends who are sympathetic to what Chili's on Wheels does. But also I think it's a cause that I think non-vegans would also get behind because what Chili's on Wheels does is they provide, you know, they provide vegan food relief for those that are in need, you know, people experiencing homelessness and people on low incomes and, and communities that are not typically served by the general vegan outreach kind of community. I don't mean that as the nonprofit, but just sort of the general world of vegan activism. So they're working on making veganism more accessible, but like sort of their thing is like we're feeding people that need food so i so -hmm. i think that also helped i certainly got donations from friends that are not vegan and so i guess i just wanted to bring this up because again i i probably have a wider network of people than the average person just by virtue of what i do um but i think that it seems like it's a pretty good way to get people to donate that don't typically donate to a lot of things yeah. So I guess I'm just kind of throwing this out there to, there to say that the average listener could probably get a couple hundred bucks for an organization that they care about by by putting together one of these fundraisers. I made like maybe two actual posts about it on my Facebook page, and I was like 25 bucks away from hitting $1,000. So on like the final day, I just put it on the Beard Vegans page, and a couple of Beardos threw a few dollars to to push it over the edge. But like generally speaking, almost like nine hundred and fifty or nine seventy five was just raised from my friends in my little network. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I would say that if you're like me and you were hesitant in the past to do one of these things, just go for it and see what happens. Is you might be able to help out, you know, some organizations that you care about, and especially like the smaller ones that don't get a lot of donations. Like I chose Chili's on Wheels also because they're such a small group and they have a lot of chapters, but like. There's not people on these big payrolls. Your your donation isn't getting absorbed into someone's salary, and and they like really stretch the dollars very far. So anyway, that's just my way of saying, hey, give it a shot. You might be able to do a little bit of good with your birthday. That's awesome, Andy. What a great what a great little story. Yeah, I was I was very ple- like I was just like every you know every other day I'd be like, 
oh my God, I, I hit $400. I hit $500. Like it was just <laughs> such a cool feeling, especially knowing that there were people that did not, I would assume have chilies on wheels on their radar whatsoever, donating, you know, a decent chunk of change to that. I thought that was really cool. It's a good way to help organizations that need it. So go ahead and make those fundraisers folks. That's awesome. That's re- that's really great, Andy. That makes me feel really good. About, yes. <laughs> makes me feel a little bit better about humanity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty nice. Pretty nice. So, all right. With that said, Paul, we got to get to this interview, but you know what we got to do first? Thanks some beardos. That's right. So these are wonderful, amazing people that are contributing to our Patreon at the rate of a dollar or more per month. Doing so helps make our podcast more sustainable in the long run and more accessible as well. So huge thank you to Mary D. Courtney C. Courtney P. And also to Diego C. and Christian C.S. who both upped their Patreon pledges. Yeah, that's always nice when people say, hey, I could give a couple bucks more. We definitely appreciate that. And also, if you want to just, if the the monthly thing is too much for you or like me, you're like, even if it's a dollar, it feels weird (laughs) doing a monthly thing. You could also make a a one-time donation via PayPal. And Melanie B. recently took advantage of that. So thank you to Melanie. Insert Spice Girl joke. Heyo. So if you want to get in on that action, uh, you can just head over to thebeardedvegans.com slash beardo, and you can follow the options for the Patreon, the PayPal, or even just our web store where you can get a t-shirt or a sticker. All right, Andy. With all that being said, let's get on to this interview with Mr. Hip. Let's do it. Greens go on treats. Greens grow on treats. Early in the morning and I'm feeling like Zeus Getting all my vitamins from celery juice Doing it big without even trying Smoothie ingredients consist of chop Daddy lying, great day on the horizon Can you hear me like Verizon? The beat is hard as hell, I like my beats We are joined today by Donald Vincent, a.k.a. Mr. Hip Mr. Hip, welcome to the show Oh, yes. It's an honor to be on the show. <laughs> First of all, I got to ask, I know there's a little blurb about it on the website. I have to ask, where does the name Mr. Hip come from? I'm hoping it's it's the one with the, the people's hips popping out because they're swaying too much to your music. But I want to hear it from the man himself. Where does the name come from? You know, I always wish it was that that was the case. Um, The name actually comes from I used to go by another moniker, uh, which I don't want to name because people can find out too much information about me. Um, But I was in class one time and my students were like, you're really hip, sir. Uh, You're like (laughs) Professor Hip. And I was like, oh, I really like that name. Maybe I should change my uh, name to Mr. Hip. And then it just stuck. I think everyone in the class was my first um, semester teacher and everyone in the class seemed to enjoy it. And so since then, I've just gone by Mr. Hip. I like it. That's a good, that's a nice, wholesome story. It's a good, that's a good. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So the first thing we always ask people is what, what was their journey into veganism? So how did veganism come about for you? Okay. I think veganism came about for me solely for a financial benefit. Um, I was just out of undergraduate school. I was in graduate school at the time studying in Boston, Massachusetts. And it just so happens that I had a delivery service called Boston Organics. When I would shop at different grocery stores, mostly Whole Foods, um, I was a little bit bougie um, when, I, <laughs> when I got my first job. Um, I would shop at Whole Foods and I would buy shrimp. And shrimp were about $18.99 a pound. Mm-hmm. To me, financially, that did not make any sense. 
Um, so I just remember going to one of the cheaper grocery stores and I found a pound of shrimp for six ninety nine. They were the most disgusting thing that I had ever eaten. Um, and I, I didn't know if it was a price thing, if it was a freshness thing. I, I had no idea. And so I just told myself I was going to get rid of meat, um, get rid of meat out of my diet. I spoke to all my friends. They told me, you can't do that. That's impossible. Um, I had one vegetarian friend at the time um, and she actually helped me by eating the food I would prepare and smiling when she ate it. So I don't know <laughs> if it was good or not. Um, but I think that was my initial kind of push into veganism to tread the waters. Um, and then I did a poetry event in New York City. And this young lady, she manned the social media for a website um, for Burroughs Poetry Bookshop. And so she did a chicken, like it was a stuffed chicken. And so during the holidays, she would put the chicken on like a carton of eggs in the, in the, in the egg aisle. And she would be like chilling with the peeps. And so this chicken came to represent everything that the bookstore had to offer. And so when I did a show in New York the first time, she said, hey, I would love to read at your show. And I was like, oh, you should read The Red Wheelbarrow, um, which is a poem almost about chickens by William Carlos Williams. Um, so she put together a video of that poem, um, the chicken reading that poem. It was just chilling on a couple of books. <laughs> and then after that, she did a poem about how chickens are treated in America. And so for me, that was my first time that animals were kind of personified through arts. Mm -hmm. And so from that day, I just decided to forego all animal products in my diet. And I've been vegan ever since. That's awesome. And, and I feel like that is, it's almost poetic, not to, you know, not to hit the nail too, too much on the head. It's almost poetic because it seems like your introduction into veganism in, in that second kind of half of the story was poetry and art. And now that is exactly what you're doing. And that's, you know, the main thing that we want to talk about today. Um, tell us about Vegan Paradise. Uh, so Vegan Paradise is my fourth uh, full music uh, full music project recorded in the music studio. Um, I got the idea because there was an I did a show in October of last year, 2017, in New York City with Compassion Arts Festival. And there was a gentleman by the name of Michael Heron. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, mm -hmm. um, but he's also a wonderful music musician as a musician as well. He did a show. Um, partly visual and part music, and I thought it was cool. And one of the things he mentioned when he introduced the band was that the entire band was vegan. And I was like, oh, that's so great. <laughs> I need to get a traveling vegan band together. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I was like, I think I want to put together a, a project that's solely vegan. Um, I had a fan, um, her name's Emily, and she always caught my vegan references in my songs. Usually it would be one to two lines, but she always caught the vegan references. There were two or three songs I released that didn't have any vegan references. And she she messaged me one day on Instagram and says, uh, are these your songs? And I'm like, yeah, I, I released them. Uh, I'm like, why? She's like, there's no vegan references in them. And I'm like, oh, that that I'm glad that you caught on to that. And so because of that, I just decided to make a, a fully vegan hip hop album um, that promotes the art because, you know, art has gone where no politician has gone before. You know, some of mm -hmm. the cruelty free videos that we might see might not be as effective. And, you know, my, my demographic is usually marginalized and kind of kept out of the conversation of veganism um, for a lot of different reasons. And so I said, hey, why not? People think I'm cool. People think I'm hip. Why not? Let's make veganism hip again. Um, and so I just decided to record this project. I was already 
on my way to Paris at the time, and I received a grant from the Culture Animals Foundation um, to help fund the, the production of this tape. And from there, um, I met a few folks in Paris. Uh, I got to record in Paris. I got to record in Queens, New York, with some musicians that I admire and a, a couple of other vegan activists that are online and in the arts community. Um, so that's how Vegan Paradise came to be, and it's been received really well lately. Um, and then I'm just happy that it's out there in the world to kind of promote and connect with people and to kind of promote that change that happened to me when I first saw a, a poem about veganism. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, and yeah, it's only been out for, I think, 10 days at this point. It came out, it dropped the uh, November 20th. So it hasn't been out for a super long amount of time, but how has the reception been so far? Uh, the reception has been great. Um, I'm, I'm surprised. I, a lot of my friends are reaching out and saying, you know, they are trying to forego animal products and they want to make the, the jump into veganism. And I'm trying to coach them, be their vegan coach, mm -hmm. uh, sort of. Um, but just kind of help them say, you know, it might be a little bit hard to just make the complete jump. So I'm trying to help them with the transition. Um, a lot of people have reached out. Uh, my favorite portion about this whole entire project releasing is working with Jane O'Hara, uh, the, the lady that did the artwork for the, uh, the front cover and the back cover, because she's phenomenal. And I thought that those two images that I chose really encapsulate everything that I wanted to get across with this project. So it's been received really nicely. Um, I'm happy I finally got to make the Bearded Vegans podcast. So, you know, <laughs> that's this is the nicest reception I could ever receive. I, I feel like I finally made it, you know? That's funny. Well, so I was actually going to ask you, like, can you you just t kind of touched upon this, but how are specifically like your non-vegan friends or the non-vegan audience, how are they receiving it? Because in my mind, you know, there are other, there are vegan rappers out there, but this is, this is kind of being advertised as the first fully vegan hip hop album. And whereas the, the other vegan rappers, you know, they might have a song that's about veganism or they might drop a few lines and stuff, but they're still going to have other music that's going to be relatable to non-vegans. Whereas this, you know, it's like that's this is what it's about. And, and I'm wondering if if there are people who aren't receiving it as well because they're like oh i can't connect to this at all i mean you already kind of said it's maybe pushing people to to make some steps towards veganism which is awesome but but yeah how is how has that aspect been going so, yeah it, it's been going well my goal for this project was to not only connect with the vegan audience i know the vegans are gonna love it um mm -hmm. from i did a music performance at the boston veg festival uh earlier uh, a couple of months ago a couple of weeks ago actually oh, nice. and they were like oh my god i never expected to hear vegan <laughs> hip-hop uh, and i'm like well i'm finally arrived yeah uh, but when it comes to when it comes to like my fans and friends who aren't vegan they'll tell me they'll say you know i'm like hey what's your favorite song on the project and they'll rattle off some of their favorite songs and then they'll say you know but i'm not vegan though and so but they like the music which is all that i could ever ask for because next time they go to pick up something that's not that's not uh that is basically cruelty and they go to put that in their mouth hopefully they think of that song um but my hopes and my goals for this project was to make something for vegans but also make something for those that are veg curious mm -hmm. i came up with that term just because if you're curious about adding more fruits and vegetables to your diet i want this project to be you if you're curious about what kale tastes like or how to make kale taste better uh, in the smoothie. Um, I want this project to be for you. And so I, it has been received really nicely from those who aren't, um, who aren't considered vegan. Um, and so I'm still trying to push that 
push the message and push the envelope that, hey, like, I want this to be for everyone, although it has that vegan title. I was thinking of title in the Project Paradise, um, but I want people to know what they're getting into before they actually press pray. I feel you. Yeah, no, that's, I think that that's good. That's like a good, that was a really good choice because you know it's it's no one is confused when they're picking when they're listening to this album like no one is going to be confused what this is about what they're getting into like you said the album cover it has like the super vegan super awesome album cover the album is called vegan paradise the songs you know it's like plant-based god the future is vegan it's like so it's it's clear it's such a clear message and i really like what you were just saying about how you know, next time someone goes to pick up an animal product or something like that, maybe the song will, you know, it'll play into, it'll, it'll come into their head because a lot of these songs, you know, they do have these super catchy hooks and it's like, Mm -hmm. I could totally see someone, you know, they go reach for, they reach for something and then they just hear like the future is vegan, the future is vegan. And it's like (laughs) that that gets stuck in their head. And, and I, I, you know, I think some people might be like, Oh, that's not, you know, like that's nothing, but honestly, like it's planting the seeds and the more you get someone to think about this kind of stuff, the more likely they're going to, you know, make these changes. So so yeah, no, that's that's really cool. Um, oh yes. And and so, how did you get connected with some of the other artists that are featured on it? Because I know one of the featured artists was Vegans in the Hood, which c- clearly another <laughs> vegan artist. <laughs> like, yeah. did you were you connected before this, or did you say I'm doing a vegan project, so I'm going to search for other vegans, or uh, how did that come about? So. When I think of vegans and I think of music, the the person that came to mind first and who I would have loved to have collaborated with was Erica Badu. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she embodies a lot of the kind of plant-based messaging. I, she embodies veganism for the community and the demographics that I was aiming to reach. Um, but when it came to working with different artists for this project, I meant, you know, where does every where do where do all vegans find their friends at? You know, online through the <laughs> online community. And so, um, vegans in the hood was a person that I have, we had mutually found each other online. I think someone reposted uh, something that I was doing at the New York City's annual Veggie Pride Parade. Uh, well, I actually seen you at that. Uh, I remember seeing you mm-hmm. there. Um, but someone had reposted a picture of mine from that parade, and he had followed me. I followed him. And then just looking at his messaging, because he's doing a lot. He's teaching people how to grow food. Um, he has his own podcast as well. Um, but he's not only just teaching people how to do food. He's also environmental, fr- environmentally friendly, working with upcycling clothes and things of that nature. So when I think of being better for the environment, Vegans in the Hood is someone that embodies that. And I, and I knew he had made music or he had some relationships with people who made music. So I reached out to him and it was it was well received, uh, well received by him and so just being able to work with him was great um doc g from hip-hop is green uh nyc i linked up with him at the actual veggie pride parade in new york city because he was one of the performers and i think ellie sarti who runs compassion arts festival had told me to reach out to him but when you reach out to people cold through email and they don't know you it's kind of <laughs> it's yeah, not easy yeah. and i and I can say I've reached out to some people to be on my cooking show out here in L.A. And it hasn't been easy because there's no, you know, meeting uh, at up front first. And so I've, I've reached out to Doc G. He was on board. Risa Branch. I was looking for a, a powerful uh, female voice. And she actually was funded through Culture Animals Foundation earlier. And so I reached out to Culture Animals Foundation to see who had done music projects. And so they gave me her contact. I reached out to her. She was really receptive. And so to be in the studio with these people and then the best part about the studio uh, and recording this was that 
vegan food was also there. So it was just like a, it was a great, it was just like everything that I could envision creating this project. Um, so just linking up with them via social media uh, really helped. And I think that's how I met everyone. And then, of course, um, I reached out to you and Andy for that introduction. And I thought that that was the best way to kick <laughs> off the album, actually. And so I'm just so thankful. But, well, yeah. We were honored to be a part of it. So thank, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. You had mentioned a couple of times now that the, the association of the project with the Cultural and Animal Foundation. So what are what are they all about? They are about. Uh, everything, uh, everything that's good, <laughs> everything that's good, everything that's positive. They fund um, grants yearly. I believe it's up to a thousand dollars. CAF or CultureAnimalsFoundation.org uh, is the website. I think it might be CAF.org. Mm-hmm. Um, but they fund research projects. They fund artist projects. I believe there's a couple currently going throughout the country to take photographs of animals. So they're wild. so those photographs are widely available um, for other people's usage. Um, and then so they funded research projects uh, and art projects. And so they have been instrumental in doing that. And I know Martin Rowe um, also does Lantern Publishing, uh, the book company. Um, I reached out to him to talk about publishing a, a memoir of mine about how my life has intersected with food. So they've been instrumental in pushing the arts and pushing research. And some of the greatest vegans that I have met doing a lot of activism, like uh, Joanne MacArthur, um, taking photographs and mm-hmm. things of that nature, I have met through Culture Animals Foundation. So I'm just so thankful for their support um, and then just everything that they've done in the past. That's awesome. That's really great. After yeah, I I don't think I had heard of about them before, but after like reading through the website and stuff, I'm definitely gonna definitely gonna check them out. Um, yeah, you should. I I think their deadline's coming up if you'd like to apply for a grant this year. So oh, definitely no. worth it. Thank you. Thank you. So mm-hmm. uh, here's here's some, maybe a little tougher question. This is also a very lengthy question. I was figuring out how to make this not so lengthy, but I I failed at that. But so we've gotten on the podcast, we've gotten a lot of questions from listeners that are along the lines of, you know, like, I, I don't feel like I'm good at advocacy or I don't, I don't think that, like, I don't know what kind of advocacy is good for me or what I should do. And my usual recommendation for people is to just, if they're worried about, you know, doing something that's too far out of their comfort zone or doing something they think they're not going to be good at, I, I usually tell them, like, take your your passion or take the thing that you're really great at and and figure out how to make that into your advocacy, advocacy or figure out how you can use that thing to, to for advocacy. And so, so obviously, recording music, creating music is something you're extremely good at. And now with this album, like, do you consider this an act of advocacy? Is it, is it kind of like, this is your passion and it has to, it's, it happens to be intersecting with your advocacy. Like, did you kind of like, I'm just wondering in your mind, like, where does this fall? Is it just like, this was something I was going to do anyways. And then I said to myself, oh, I might as well make it about veganism because that's something that's important to me. Or was it always like, I'm going to use this thing that I'm good at to further this cause? I I think it's a mixture of both, Mm -hmm. um, honestly, because when I first became vegan, it was just me. I didn't have any vegan friends. Um, And so, and again, it was solely financially. So it wasn't, you know, hey, once I make a lot of money, I might go back to eating meat. But that wasn't the case because I, I teamed up with uh, Laura Ray, who was planning a lot of Boston's events for PETA. And so I got involved with the silent demonstrations first. And so just holding up signs and doing that kind of advocacy helped. 
you know, like doing Thanksgiving, standing out in front of places, mm -hmm. uh, kind of saying Canada goose is bad, like mm -hmm. things of that nature. So that was my first segue into veganism. But for me, it was a silent protest. It was a silent demonstration. Um, although I felt like I would do something if a car arrived by a honk, I'm like, that's one person. Yeah, my yeah. job here is done. And so when it comes to doing what you're good at, I've always been good at writing. Um, but then part of my advocacy, I feel like, you know, sometimes it's not my it's not appropriate for me to, you know, advocate. And I, I, I feel that way. And I don't think that's necessarily for all activists. But when it comes down to it, you know, my every day I wake up and I abstain from not eating meat. I'm advocating for animals every day. I post something or I create a graphic that's cruelty or animal friendly. I'm advocating for animals. But when it came to the music portion, I love making music. I love writing. Um, I, I like puns. Like, um, <laughs> so I, I think 2017 in January, I recorded my first song that was like my first conscious, environmentally kind of animal friendly song talks about our use of plastic. And so after I, after I created that song, all of this information about how uh, detrimental our use of plastic is came out. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I need to make new more music about animals and about their suffering and about how we can better alleviate the world and their pain now before it's too late. And so I just, it was time. I think it was due. I was tired of hearing vegan hip hop artists like reference plant-based, but not educate people on the, the, the facets of uh, plant-based, like how to go plant-based. You know, I was tired of hearing, um, people say everyone can go vegan, but not tell people that, hey, you might need to take a B12 vitamin and things of that nature. And so I felt like as someone that's been practicing veganism as a teacher, because that's my main job, mm -hmm. I felt like it was my duty to use my art to advocate for animals by making this album, honestly. Okay, so that 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 brings me to another question that I just that just popped into my head, and this is like this is this I don't feel like this is a right or wrong question. I just want basically your thoughts on it. Do you think then that someone who say is good at at at, at art and and is the, like will have this platform? Do you think that it's their then responsibility to make music that is then going to be you know socially conscious about veganism or any other any other um like social justice issue do you think that it's their responsibility to do that because you, like you were kind of saying you know there are these other vegan rappers but they're not really they might not be really pushing it that much maybe they'll drop in a line here or there but do you think that more people in that sort of position not just with with hip-hop but with any form of art do you think that they should be pushing it more i think they should and it depends the the i think the underlying reason is why are you making this art is it to affect change is it because you're passionate about it i know if i sit down and i try not to make music for a couple weeks something my leg's gonna keep tapping i'm gonna keep <laughs> thinking of a lyric because i have to get it out and so for me, it's one of those things where I feel like people, if they have the platform, you should be able to use that platform for good. But then we, you know, we have people that make music because, hey, this might sound good at the club. This mm -hmm. is going to bring me a lot of money. Like, I don't really care for the financial aspects of making music because foremost, I'm making it for me. But at the end of the day, I think that if you have the platform, whatever you're good at, that you should be using that message to push good. If you don't push good or push positivity out in the world and you have that platform, what are you, are, are, what are you wasting your talents? You're wasting your skills. I feel you. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, 
So on this album, what, what or who were some of your influences for uh, when you were writing the music or just in general for all your music? Because to me, like I'm obviously I'm not a, a hip hop expert, but it, it, it seems to have more of like a like a classic, more chill kind of hip hop vibe. But then there are some like contemporary feelings I get, like in, for instance, in the recipe, you know, they have, you have like those triplets that cook it up, cook it up, cook it up, which I feel like is very, that's like a very recent uh, kind of trend in hip hop to have those kind of like, you know? So I think like some of my, my, it's like, I believe that where the inspiration comes from, some of the artists that inspired it are, of course, I mentioned Erica Badu. Mm -hmm. So if you listen to the song with Risa Branch, you can kind of hear her crooning and have her melody. Um, and also with the poem at the beginning. Um, so that was one of my kind of uh, inspirations for the project. But, you know, I try. So when I write and I create, I try not to listen to things because I don't want them to influence what I've created. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, you know, when I think of the song, like the recipe, like you mentioned, sometimes when it comes to the kids, because the youth is everything, <laughs> like they are, they listen to it, they consume it, they share it with their friends. Like when I think of the cook it up, cook it up, like that's what they like. You know, they want to dance, they want to reiterate that, mm -hmm. and, you know, and then just that, that, that repetition is like, okay, he's, he's cooking it up. Okay. Okay. This line <laughs> is about, okay. So he says, look it up, look it up. I should look this up, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm trying to challenge the reader, um, uh, the listener to not only just listen, but also be actionable. Um, but I think for inspiration, like I like not to sound like, you know, too, too, too into myself. I, I really look into myself for inspiration, but a lot of inspiration comes from art. You know, again, just to take it back to that cover, if you look at the, the cover of the album, you have these animals and bubbles. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you looked at it clearly, but all of the animals are in their regular states, meaning their societal states. So the dog is just chilling. He's in his own bubble because he's looked at as a house pet. But if you look at the pigs, they're behind gates. If you look at the cows, they're behind gates. So if you look at the treatment, but all of these animals should essentially be equal, but it's not equal because of how society deems so. And so that's where the inspiration honestly comes from is mm -hmm. the art. And then just looking at my social media feed, looking at all the vegan community, the bearded, ve bearded vegans post, <laughs> I want to say like the inspiration comes from all of the vegans that I interact with on social media. Mm -hmm. No, I feel you. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, it's like you have the, like, I don't think there's absolutely anything wrong with making those li like the cook it up, cook it up, look it up lines, because those are the ones that are, that get stuck in your head for days. And those are the ones that people, you know, when they're out and about in their daily lives, that's that they're going to be thinking of that. And they're going to be possibly looking at the world differently because now they're interacting with the world with that kind of that seed stuck in their head. So no, it's yeah, great. It's, I love it. It's, it's such a pleasure to hear you say that because we're actually shooting a music video for that next Sunday. Uh, so I'm like so song. excited. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm so excited. Um, so moving moving away from the album a little bit. So you mentioned to mm -hmm. me you, you mentioned earlier how uh, I I don't think it, maybe it was the last time we saw each other, but at the veggie pride parade i feel like we've also run into each other at the boston veg fest at the, some like this brooklyn event it uh, you are a mystery to me because i have no idea where you are located it seems like you're just popping up in all these places <laughs> but along those same same lines as being this this mysterious person it also seems like you kind of you dabble in in all these different these different things so you had mentioned teaching so what's uh, what do you teach how long have you been a teacher so what's what's up with that 
you know, lo and behold, I have been a professor for six years now. Damn. Um, I, yeah, I know. It's crazy. My friends can't believe that I'm a teacher. <laughs> they let you teach. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here to educate young minds. Um, I started teaching at Emerson College where I went to graduate school at. Um, and it was a great experience. Uh, some of the people that I studied with uh, really were into the pedagogy of writing. So I teach uh I teach rhetoric and composition. Um, that's the typical course that I teach, but the title of what I teach now is English Composition 3D. Mm -hmm. And so my class stresses diversity. But when we were, I was in Boston for several years. I lived in Boston from 2010 to 2017. Um, so that's why we saw each other in Boston. <laughs> um, I was doing so many events in New York. My roommate moved out. We had a nice apartment. I couldn't fill it. I was like, mm, it's time to move. I guess this is a sign. So I actually moved to New York for eight months. Um, but then I, I didn't really like the weather. So we saw each other in New York from there. Um, and then I just said, hey, you know, everyone that works on cameras um, that helps out with the cooking show, they live on the West Coast. So let me just move to Los Angeles. That way I can work with all my friends who are also vegetarian and vegan. Mm -hmm. And so I moved out to Los Angeles and it's been a great experience. But I currently teach at UCLA. Nice. And I get to work with some of, and they are the top, I must say they are the top public school, public university in the country. Yeah. And being able to uh, instruct such diverse minds um, and different ethnic backgrounds is, is amazing. I learn from my students every day, which is probably the best part. Um, I know, uh, I know this might not be a bit on topic, but looking at climate change, mm -hmm. uh, they said that the number one cure to climate change before 2050 would be is refrigeration randomly. Because refrigerators at the end of their shelf life give off CFCs and HFCs. And I was mentioning this to my class, and they're like, yeah, we know what CFCs are. And they got to explaining it to me. And I'm like, <laughs> thank you so much. Because I was like, I don't know anything about this. And so just being able to just being able to learn from them. And that's what constant and that's what I like about being an educator is that I'm teaching these kids how to write. Um, and become better communicators. But in turn, they're teaching me about life. They're teaching me about the world. They're teaching me about other things that I might never be able to access outside of chemistry, biology, uh, applied mathematics, such as yourself. That's why I know the, the quadratic equation so well. Um, but just being able to work with people um, and just instruct young minds has just been a great experience. And, you know, some of the people that have uh, that have helped me out in my veganism world. So the people that helped me with the cooking show, they're all vegan and they happen to, one of them happened to be one of my previous students. And so just being able to work with them has just been a joy, but I, I love teaching. Um, it's been something that's just, it makes me feel whole at the end of the day. That's awesome. Does, does, how does the, your veganism intersect with your teaching? If it does at all. Oh, it does all the time because my students know I'm vegan because mm -hmm. I let them hear the music first and we talk about veganism in class. And so if there's a vegan food fair, they're like, Professor, uh, there's a vegan food fair. Can we uh, <laughs> can we come to class a little bit late because we want to bring you food? And I'm like, sure, that's amazing. <laughs> um, but it does intersect um, because we're, uh, my class is structured around diversity and teaching people about the world. And what better way to teach people about the world than through the suffering and having conversations about animals. And so I'm always working in lessons about veganism. When we talk about teaching people how to write and look at that propositions and supporting paragraphs, some of the essays I bring up are things that have been written about uh, the world of veganism. And so we explore that a lot in class. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I used to teach high school math and and it, it didn't you know, it's like the subject 
matter that I had to teach doesn't necessarily lend itself to bringing up those conversations, but mm -hmm. it's like inevitably just because the students, you know, want to know more about me and they want to talk about stuff that's <laughs> off topic from math. So it's like inevitably, you know, it, 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 it came up uh, like a more than you would suspect in a, in a math class, but yeah, it was, I always, <laughs> I loved having those conversations with, with those kids. And especially because I was teaching mostly juniors and seniors in high school, you know, that's this time when they're really developing their identity and they're, they're realizing that, you know, it's like everything in the world isn't necessarily what, how they thought it was for the, the, like the previous portion of their life. And, and it's like, it's this really, I loved forming those relationships with the kids because you were, you know, it's like you were, you were there when they're figuring out the world, which was a really, yep. it's like, a, I, I mean, I was fortunate to, to be what I, I hope a, like a positive influence on their, in their formative years. So, so it's, it's cool. Being a teacher is, is, is wild. <laughs> yeah. I saw yesterday um, one of my students had a vegan sticker on her computer, and I was like, okay, I see. That's, <laughs> it's not just one in the class. It's yeah. multiple. Thank you. But, nice, yeah. nice. So what's this, uh, the, the cooking show that you're talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, so I did a, a cooking show called That's So Vegan. That was the title of it. I know there was a blog that ran along with those lines. Mm -hmm. But whenever I'm making food, my friends will be like, you know, I'll be like, you have to add nutritional yeast. And they'll be like, that's so vegan, Donald. And I'm like, Haha, we should make a show <laughs> called That's So Vegan. Uh, so the first season was about five episodes, I think. Yeah, it was five episodes in the first season. We filmed them all in one day. Um, so uh, I have a lot of compassionate sh uh, shirts mm -hmm. from Andy mm -hmm. uh, that I wear <laughs> that <laughs> I wear. Um, but we made five episodes. The last episode we just uploaded because we're actually shooting the second season next week. Um, and the next week we have guests. Uh, we have vegan guest uh, appearances. So that's going to be amazing. The people that we have on the show are all people I look up to and all people that's doing great work um, in the vegan community and outside of the community, of course. Uh, but the show is just easy to make meals because a lot of people say, hey, Donald, it's expensive to be vegan. And I'm like, how? I shop at Whole Foods. Uh, most of the food I eat is organic. And let me tell you, I do not like spending $80, more than $80 <laughs> on a trip at the grocery store. And I rarely go to the grocery store more than two times a month. And so I just decided to make some of my favorite meals for people. And then this is to show them. I'm not a chef by trade. I never learned how to cook. I'm honestly afraid of a knife. But I, we made the cooking show to show people that anyone can do it. So if you actually look at it online, you'll see me. Every time I have the knife in my hand, I'm looking at the camera like, please don't cut myself. Don't cut myself. Um, but it was a good experience. And I know a lot of people have benefited from it. You know, I just saw you post today that you had the, the green smoothie. You like to mm -hmm. the bad boy, live on the edge and fill it up, you know. And when I first started giving people green uh, smoothie recipes, they was like, oh, it tastes bland. I don't like it. And then I was like, hey, just add some nut butter because a spoon, a tablespoon of nut butter will really add some protein. But not only that, it will add a lot of uh, taste. <laughs> to the smoothie yeah. and so i did that and everyone's like this is delicious and so that's my <laughs> secret ingredient is nut butter to any green smoothie um and then the last episode again was a stuffed uh sweet potato with spicy um with spicy chickpeas because the savoriness of the baked sweet potato with the tahini sauce and mm -hmm. cherry tomatoes really make it delicious and so that was one of my favorite things to make and i just wanted to share that with the world so this this upcoming season that we're shooting next week, I'm like so excited. I'm gonna be tired, but uh, from making all of this food, but I'm yeah. like so excited. That's awesome. I would I would highly recommend people check those videos out, if only to see you dancing with the celery sticks at the beginning of every video. 
Oh, wait till the wait till you see the next season. It'll be we're posting the first episode. It'll be on January first of 2019. It's going to be Black Eyed Pea Fritters um, nice. because if you eat Black Eyed Peas uh, to celebrate the New Year, that's apparently good luck in the Southern community. So have a good way to make those tasty, and then you get to see all my dance moves come out. There you go. There you go. I look forward to it. So yes, yes. Um, so we've also on the podcast we've also recently been talking a bit about activist burnout and just like just being like just getting tired of of either having to talk about animals or just being exhausted or or depressed or um mm-hmm. you know just feeling despair about about everything that's going on so I was wondering, is that something either that you've experienced or do you have any suggestions about what people could do or what do you do for self-care and to kind of, you know, like if you need to take a break sometime? So what are your, what are your thoughts on that? That honestly, that was going to be my answer was self-care because mm-hmm. not only do I have to deal with my friends who like they want to be vegan and help them, but I also have to deal with the people that's like veganism is horrible idea. I don't know why you're vegan, you're bone, bone, you know, and all of the, the negative propaganda, I like mm-hmm. to call it, mm-hmm. um, about veganism. So I really practice self-care. Um, and <laughs> this might sound cheesy and it might sound a little funny, but one of the best ways I practice self-care is my morning ritual, that shower. My mm-hmm. shower time is the best time because when I enter the shower, I know I don't have to worry of a care in the world. It's just me in the shower <laughs> and the, and I have these luxury, luxurious bath products that are also uh, vegan friendly, too. So it's just like that's my time to just relax and not worry about anything. I know I, I mentally prepare myself when I'm exiting the shower. I'm like, OK, I'm about to enter the real world. But just those few moments in the shower or bath just really, really helps. Um, and not to worry about things. And I also meditate a lot. I know that's a, a big thing, but just meditating, clearing my thoughts and not worrying about anything or just focusing on the thoughts that are uh, pressing is really helping, uh, really helps maintain just that self-care because there's a lot of burnout and there's a lot of stress that comes along in the um, activism community. So just practicing those that, those morning rituals, I would say, is my favorite. I know I I just purchased some, uh, some soap, some handmade uh, soap. It smells mm-hmm. like sandalwood. I know as soon as I go home today, I'm just going to jump in that shower and just relax for a few minutes. There you go. There you go. That's, yep, yep. You know, I've, I used to meditate a little bit. I've kind of fallen off the wagon, but I got to, I got to get back on that. Got to clear yeah, my it, mind. Any, any, any time you can, you know, share or uh, have for that, like five minutes will help because you spend five minutes closing your eyes before you go to bed, worrying about everything that you have to do the next day. So why not choose those five minutes to just like focus on, being in the moment, being present, being grateful, being thankful. I think that's one of the things that I, I have been practicing lately is just being thankful and being grateful, you know, because mm-hmm. we might suffer a lot of defeats, whatever we may do, you know, but once you're able to just be like, I'm thankful that I I, I, I have completed this project, or I'm thankful that I have this to look forward to. I focus on that, and that really does help. There you go. So what is next for Mr. Hip? <laughs> Ooh, uh, we got the next? cooking show. So, yeah, the cooking show. I was really thinking about just pushing out, doing a lot of content and just, you know, disappearing. I wanted to disappear for a bit, maybe like a month or two. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to do in this digital world and keep people engaged. Um, but I have the cooking show uh, with shooting. Um, and then we'll have those four episodes released January, February, March and April. Um, I have the music video we're shooting for the recipe um, track from the Vegan Paradise album coming up. Um, hopefully we can get that edited and have that available for Christmas time. Nice. Um, Le, Le Pample Muse, the vegan marketing company that I have, uh, we're working on doing some videos and getting some more clients for next year. Um, and then just teaching and then bettering myself. 
I think that one of the things that I'm currently working on or I would like to work on is that, you know, in, in actuality, in real life, we, veganism is the counterculture. Um, so I'm actually in the process of creating a television script where veganism is the is the main culture, the primary culture, and being eating animals and being carnivorous is actually the counterculture. And so having a show that places veganism at the forefront of what life is like, and then having the meat eaters be like kind of shunned or hmm. you know put down and things of that nature. So I'm kind of working on a pilot, uh, and I'm working talking to a few people, but. I do believe that that's one of the things that I'm kind of trying to push uh, for the first two quarters of 2019. Um, but other than that, it's just growth. I always think that, you know, I was I like I did everything I wanted to do last year. 2018 can't be better Then 2018 is better. And then mm -hmm. I'm like, OK, I don't I don't know what's in store for 2019, but I do want it to be more catered towards helping other people achieve what they want to do. So if I can use my platform to help others, I think that's that's what's in store next. Very cool. I, I love that you were like, oh, I think I'm going to take a little break for a little bit. But then you rattled off seven, eight things that, that you have coming <laughs> coming up. Yeah, that, that that's all for this year, though. You know, it's hard because you know, with me, it's like, you know, that burnout. Like once I created the album and like everything was out and it was published and, you know, I did a few interviews and things of that nature. It's like I just wanted to promote itself. I don't want to have to promote it mm -hmm. like it's there i just want to relax like it takes so much energy to be creative you know and so i just want to relax after this but it's it's it's, it's relentless you got to keep going you know or uh, again people lose interest and you want to engage people while they're interested i feel you so the album vegan paradise out now what is it spotify itunes all any anywhere anywhere that you get the uh get your music Anywhere that music is streamed. Um, if people if people would like to benefit me directly, they can go to mrhip.bandcamp.com and get the album. If they do get the, the, the album from Bandcamp, it supports me directly. But aside from that, there's a bonus song. So my first kind of song that I created that was like environmentally conscious, that's that track. Um, there's a piece, I think it starts off... Um, Remedy with herbal tinctures, we dosing and dosing. Order the baked falafel, they don't make vegan samosas. Russell Simmons ain't the only black man at the yoga. Sustainability means creating change for my choices. Um, so that's like one of the songs that's that's a bonus song if they get if you get it through Bandcamp. Um, but yep, cool. And then mrhip.space, that's the website, correct? Yes, mrhip.space is the website, and then everything else that is vegan friendly. Um, so the cooking show the commercials that I've done for vegan skincare companies um, and all of the graphics and videos that we do uh, for vegan companies are through uh, La Pample Muse. And that's just lapamplemuse.com. And I'm going to spell, would you like to spell that for people? Because I know if, yes. if you ask me to. I, no, no, no. So, so we created it. Me and my good friend created the name because we wanted something that stood out. So grapefruits was actually the first organic fruit that I ate that I remember eating. But as a kid, I hated grapefruit. But once I had one as an adult, I was like, I love these things. So La Pample Muse is grapefruit in French. But instead of spelling it the French way, we spell it L-E-P-A-M-P-L-E-M-U-S-E. So it's it's the muse. We want to be the muse or the inspiration for better living. Um, so that's how we came up with the name. That's a great name. <laughs> Is there any Thank other you. any other social medias or websites or anyone else that you wanted to give a shout out to? My main social media account is just, I, I love Instagram. That's the best way to contact me. Um, and that's Mr. Underscore HIP, um, the one and only. Uh, my name is actually handsome because, you know, I am handsome. But <laughs> I, try, I, try to, I try to push the Instagram the most. 
Um, and then if you follow me on Instagram, you can follow everyone that had a, a, a hand in the, the vegan paradise project. Awesome. Well, yes, Donald yes. Vincent, AKA Mr. Hip. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. And uh, before we go, if it's cool, um, I just wanted to say, I saw, uh, you had a bath bomb from Fanciful Fox the other day, and I was just like, oh, so jealous when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, you, so so you did a, a commercial for them, correct? Yes. Um, they were the first cruelty-free skincare company that I came across when I became vegan four years ago, and they were amazing. Like, the smells of their soap, whenever I would walk out, people would be like, you smell good. And I was just like, <laughs> I know, it's Fanciful Fox. And so um, when I moved to Brooklyn, I actually went, they had recently opened up their storefront and then they just had these two little cute shop dogs. Um, and so, you know, uh, just the, the, the owners, um, they are amazing people. Um, they make everything by hand. Um, and then just building a relationship with them going in and out of the shop. And I was like, Hey, like I have this idea for a video for you all. And they donated the products and I got all my friends together and we shot that video and it's, it's been it was it was received really nicely, but it's, it's I tried to go beyond the fact that hey, it's not just what we put into our bodies; it's also what we put onto our bodies. And so I was just very thankful for them to be one of the first people that let us um, create visuals for them. That's awesome. Yeah, when I saw that you there was that collaboration between you and Fanciful Fox, I was so it made me so happy because I was like, this is too two groups of wonderful individuals who I did not know had any connection with each other, but like, here's the connection. And it just, it, it gave me so much joy. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're amazing. I, I, they're amazing. All right, Donald, thank you so much again for being on the show. Thank you. And you have a great day. Good, sir. Thank you. Yeah. 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 This the recipe, chefing up my specialty. Cook it up, 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 cook it up. This a recipe, plant base is a necessity. Hook it up, 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 hook it up. This the recipe, food the best therapy. All right, so that was Mr. Hip. Thanks for doing that interview, Paul. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Hope everyone gets a chance to go and pick up that new album or yes. at least stream it through your service of choice online. <laughs> yes, definitely. And uh, Paul, I have no events coming up. This is winter break, baby. So <laughs> winter break, baby. So I, I I was listening to Mr. Hip's new album. And, you know, something I used to love when I was listening to bands back in the day when CDs were actually a thing was when bands had secret tracks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes it's sometimes it was like track 99 or there was like 15 minutes of silence after the last song. And then they played a song. The really clever bands, they would make it track like negative one. So at track one, you had to like press the, the backtrack button to mm-hmm. get to it. Um, <laughs> and I appreciate that Mr. Hip was able to throw that in even on SoundCloud or Bandcamp or whatever, you know, wherever. Um, and I loved it because the name of the track was actually the following seven words. We are the bearded vegans signing off. And especially knowing that there were people that I don't think had chilies on Willie. Willie. Good old chilies on Willie's. Uh, You know. Okay.
What up, Beardos? This is Mr. Hip, and you're listening to... Oh, shit. I'll say it again. 161. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, Beardos? You're listening to... Oh, shit. So, what's up, Beardos? It's Mr. Hip. You're listening to uh, episode 161 of the Bearded Vegans podcast. Yeah. Test. Can you just say something real quick? Check, 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 check. Bearded Vegans. Paul... Always a good day, Mr. Grad School Man, <laughs> man, Mr. Pythagoras. Uh, X equals negative B plus or minus the square root of um, B squared minus 4AC all over 2A. Very check, nice. Check, 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 check. 